0: The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. It's, um, it does your heart good to hear God's people Singing the words, I will trust in you, doesn't it? Did my heart good. Anyway, now to do what we say. Before we uh, read through our Bible passage... Before we read through our Bible passage this morning, which will be found in Mark 5, a, a question. Can you think of a time when you have been desperate? Now, it's not a question where we're going to just right, rush into the, the next thing that I'm going to say. Think about it. Can you think now of a time when you've been desperate? Can you put yourself back into your shoes at that time? Maybe you were desperate for food and water. Maybe now you're hungry and thirsty. You're really desperate. Maybe you were desperate for shelter, safety. Maybe these basics of life are something that you've known desperation. Maybe you were desperate for healing to be made well maybe you were desperate to get out of a relationship a bad relationship maybe you were desperate to find relationship can you remember a time when you were desperate We normally find ourselves desperate when we get to a point where we are absolutely powerless to do anything about our situation. It might be something that happens, uh, slowly over time. We've tried everything and we get to a point where we are powerless to fix or find a solution to our issues. Or maybe it happens just in a moment. The rugs pulled out from underneath us and we are powerless to do anything about it. I remember a time when I was floating out in the ocean. I was powerless. I was tired. I was going down. The only thing I could do was raise my hand. I needed someone else to sort out my situation and save me. We all... Become desperate from time to time, whether it's slowly or whether it's quickly. We will all know desperation. The question is, what does that desperation foster in us? Will it foster fear or will it foster faith? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. As you think about that time when you were desperate, can you think about whether or not, can you identify whether it fostered in you fear or faith? This morning we get the benefit of uh, looking over a text and the story of two people who were both desperate. When we look at how Jesus turns their desperation, he, he tries to use it. Well, he will use that to foster faith in them rather than fear. See, friends, when we, in our desperation, we allow it to foster faith, we will see the power of God. Let's read together Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21 and going on to the end of the chapter. If you don't have it um, in front of you, open. No. No. I'm not going to be able to put it on the the screen. Have you got the slides there, Ben, at all? That's okay. Um, They'll be in the projection team folder. While that happens, please follow along. on a. You might have a device or a, a book, a Bible in front of you. This is the word of the Lord for us today. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, so that she will be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Wow. Jesus has just returned from the region of the Gerasenes, the the other side of the lake. See, Jesus has been sort of going to different sides of the lake as we go through Mark's gospel. He's just, last week we we learned about how he went over to a Gentile, a non-Jewish part of the lake, where he, he delivered a man from evil oppression. He's now come back over the lake, back to the Jewish side, the place where he's well-known. He's well-known here as a teacher, as a miracle worker. He's been going around uh, freeing people from demon possession and oppression. He's been teaching with authority. He's been healing the sick. He's been, well, he will, feed multitudes of people. He's a miracle worker. He's a great teacher. And so now that Jesus has come and stepped foot back on a familiar shore, once again a familiar scene greets him. Crowds gather. And what do you think the crowds are expecting from Jesus? They're expecting miracles, right? Is is that what you would be expecting if you were in that crowd? Might get, we're going to see him do something else here. This is going to be fantastic. Well, amongst the crowd that gathers, Peter recalls two people. Two people who, apart from their Jewish Culture have very little in common. We have Jairus who is famous. He would have been one of the most well-known people in that local community. We also have the woman who is anonymous. Peter doesn't give us her name. Jairus was wealthy. This woman lived in poverty. She'd spent all that she had. She had nothing left. Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. But because of her physical condition, the woman was forbidden to go into the synagogue. They didn't have much in common. But what they do actually have in common is a little faith in Jesus. Desperation. Imagine for a minute putting yourselves in Jairus' shoes. Gee, you missed so much there. It's all right. We'll catch up. Can you imagine being in Jairus's shoes? The shoes of a desperate, loving father. Now he's a well-known bloke, he's a leader in the synagogue, so he's probably an administrator in the synagogue. We're not told he's a Pharisee, we're told he's a leader in the synagogue. He can approach Jesus freely without fear or shame. Now Peter feels it's significant to note his name, Jairus, which means He will enlighten or diffuse light. Or we might say another variation is, may Yahweh awaken or enlighten. Peter sees significance in the meaning of this man's name. And no doubt as we read through the passage, you can see something of what will happen there in his life. How he will live his name, you might say. And this one whom Yahweh will enlighten comes and falls at the feet of Jesus in desperation. And hear these words that he says to Jesus. He says, my little girl, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. I don't want to play on this, dads, but can you feel the desperate? Can you imagine being in that situation? My little girl is about to die, Jesus. And maybe you can save her from that fate. Please come with me and heal her. Can you hear the fear in his voice there? Can you hear the faith and the desperation in this man's voice? His faith isn't much, but it's there. It's probably just a seedling type of faith at this point. Maybe he's he's witnessed some healings of Jesus, some miracles, or, or maybe he's just heard about it, but there's something in that. There's something there. That will bring him in his desperation to Jesus and say, please come. Can you heal her? He's powerless to do anything about his daughter's situation. So he takes a chance on Jesus that maybe he can. I feel for Jairus. I still remember that feeling of what it was like when I first became a dad. That moment where I knew that I would do everything within my power to provide for and care for this little little one of mine. Everything in my power. What do you do when you're powerless? When as a problem solver, you can't find a solution. What do you do? Jairus is powerless. And that makes him a desperate man. The thing to note is in his desperation, it fosters, fosters in him a faith in Jesus. Mark doesn't record Jesus saying anything to this synagogue ruler here. He just goes with him, which brings us to the second person uh, that Peter highlights for us: an anonymous woman, unnamed, someone who can't just freely approach Jesus. She can't go up to him like Jairus can. Her medical condition makes her ceremonially unclean. And so for her to touch another Jew would make them unclean also. Can you imagine being in a crowd of people and having that as the label you wear? Can you imagine seeing this miracle worker in the middle How do you get to him? How do you get your miracle? This is no recent development for her. She's been unclean for 12 years. For 12 years, she has been barred from the temple in Jerusalem. For 12 years, she's been barred from the local synagogue for 12 years she is not knowing physical or social wholeness she's done everything in her power to get well she's spent it all but instead of getting better she's growing worse she's powerless she's desperate Maybe there's something in this lady's story that you can relate to this morning. Maybe you also feel largely anonymous amongst those around you. Maybe you've tried every option available to you in a quest to get physically well, but there's nowhere else you can turn. Or maybe you feel like you've left no stone unturned into a quest to just be part of society. To feel like you belong, like you're accepted. Or maybe just to feel whole within yourself. Maybe you empathise with this lady in her desperation and, and maybe even in her feelings of shame that she's not worthy that she's not able maybe you really understand the stealth mission that she goes on to get in and out to get healed without anyone noticing commentators point to malachi chapter 4 verse 2 as possibly the the source or the seedbed of this lady's belief that a touch at the edge of the Messiah's cloak could heal her. We read there, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, or you might say healing in its wings. Her desperate thinking makes sense, doesn't it? Her desperation Yes, she's got fear there, but she also has faith, even if it is a bit superstitious, that a touch on a special garment might heal her. Because she thinks if Jesus is the Messiah, if he is the son of righteousness that Malachi spoke about, then even the touch of the tassels of his cloak should be enough to heal me. If, if it is true what the prophet has said, that this man is that person, then surely I've only got to touch the tip of the, the tip of his cloak. Just the edge will be enough. Can you see her faith? This sort of superstitious thinking wasn't just limited to, to people's thoughts with Jesus. The apostles would encounter the same, encounter the same thinking as well. See that for Paul also there in Acts 19. It all seems to go well for this lady. Yet her desire for this to be a stealth mission where she can get in and out unnoticed is exposed by Jesus. Yes, she has been healed, but she's also been busted in the process. And it wasn't the crowds who did it, it was Jesus himself. Knowing the power had gone out from him, he now puts the spotlight on this anonymous woman. Who touched my clothes? Come on, man, there's a crowd. It's like walking out of Suncorp Stadium after you've just won a prelim final. Everyone's up against everyone. How can you say who touched my clothes? The answer is everyone's touching you. He's not satisfied with that. He knows what's happened. He could have ignored it, couldn't he? He could have felt it and just ignored it. But no, there's a reason for this. The woman hears Jesus say, who touched my clothes? And she knows she has to fess up. I say she has to come clean about being made clean. Look at the similarity between Jairus and the woman in how she now approaches Jesus in verse 33. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, fear, told him the whole truth. We can see a restoration already, can't we? Think also now about those who are witnessing this. You've got the crowds. You've got the 12 disciples of Jesus. And you've got Jairus, the desperate father. Now notice what Jesus says to this woman. And think about how that might be interpreted or heard by the the crowd, the disciples and Jairus. He says to her in verse 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed or be whole from your suffering. See, Jesus isn't wanting to expose her to shame. He's wanting to expose her faith, that her faith, has played an important part in her healing here. So the crowd should hear this as a a restoration of this woman. Jesus has declared her whole. That go in peace, be freed from your suffering. Should also be an affirmation to them that Jesus does Possess the power to heal, as they've already witnessed. He also has the power to restore them, no matter what their status is. Even if they're seen as just an anonymous, unclean, almost non-participant in Jewish society. He can restore them to peace, to wholeness. They will hear Jesus saying that faith is the path they must tread. What about the disciples? What should they hear? Well, I'm going to focus on the number 12 as we look at the disciples. Now, in Mark's gospel, the number 12 is normally used to refer to the 12, the, the 12 main disciples of Jesus whom he he called to himself earlier up on the mountain. Now, there are only three exceptions to this. Two of them happen here in our passage in chapter 5, and one happens in chapter 6. The one in chapter 6 is where Jesus feeds the 5,000, and then he gets the 12, his 12, to go and collect how many baskets full of leftovers? Twelve baskets of leftovers. Here we're told that this lady has been suffering for 12 years. And at the end of it, we're told that the the, the daughter, Jairus' daughter, is how old? 12 years old. I think there's something in this. And, and from what I can understand, what some commentators would point to is that these mentions of 12... A particular object lessons for the 12 disciples. See, these are the 12 men who are going to be charged with going and taking the good news of Jesus to the world. We saw there in Acts, these are the 12 men who are going to be going, well, Paul will become one of the 12, who are going to go, they're going to be the apostles of Jesus, who are going to be healing in his name. Very specific lessons for them. And so as they hear, as it sticks with Peter that this woman was 12 years old and later that this daughter, sorry, this woman had suffered for 12 years and this daughter is 12 years old, there's something that connects to him. I think it's something that speaks volumes of Jesus' identity to Israel, the 12 tribes of God the nation of Israel, that Jesus is, in chapter 6, the provider, the giver of bread, of life for Israel, that he is the healer, but that he is also the one who raises daughters to life, restores them. So that is what the disciples are going to hear this passage, they're also going to hear that faith is going to be the the path that they need to tread. Faith in Israel's healer, life giver, and provider. All this is is leading towards Mark chapter eight verse twenty nine where. Well, Peter's going to, in his own little seedling faith, we might say, put the pieces together and declare that Jesus is the Messiah. That's where we're heading here, although we're not going to get there. I'll let you read that yourself. What about Jairus? What might this desperate father hear? Well, I suspect that the first word of Jesus' response to this woman is going to stick with Jairus. It's going to stand out. It's going to grab his attention. In verse 34, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Yeah, that's what I want for my daughter, Jesus. I want her to be healed. I want her to be freed from her suffering. But no sooner does Jesus finish these words to this, this lady who's been made well. Jairus receives a tap of the, on his shoulder. And there are no doubt words he has feared. He receives the news, the devastating news. That his daughter is dead. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Have faith. It's too late, they say. Why bother? It's gone, she's gone. Nothing more can be done. As good as this bloke's teaching is, surely death is beyond him. Surely that's out of his reach. I wonder if those witnessing Jairus receiving this news might have even been able to see in his face that a father's desperation has turned to devastation. I imagine, only in imagination, I imagine Jesus' voice to be calm and clear. In that moment, I imagine that he leads in to Jairus, that he looks him in the eye. He says, don't fear, Jairus. Have faith in me. Believe. See, Jesus noticed that this is a seedling faith that he is dealing with here. And it's like this storm has just come and is ripping through and it's threatening to to rip it out of the ground. And what does Jesus do? He cultivates it. He cares for it. He protects it. Don't fear what might be, mate. Choose to have faith in me. Jairus believes in Jesus. He has faith. and He goes on to see the power of God at work through Jesus in the life of his little girl. And in this passage, we see the power of God at work to restore two daughters of Israel back to wholeness, back to life. Because of the power of Jesus and because of seedling faith. That's all it took. Friends, we too can choose whether our circumstances foster fear or foster faith for us. And it doesn't matter if all you can muster in your desperation is just a seedling faith. That'll be enough, right? So you don't have to have it all together in order to come to Jesus. You don't have to have it all nutted out. You don't have to be this mature tree. Just this seedling is all you need, just a sprout. If your faith is in Jesus, that's all it takes. And we foster our faith in Jesus, by doing what Jairus and this lady do, what they do, in our moments of need, in our desperation, come to Jesus, fall at his feet and tell him the whole truth, tell him everything. the truth of us, who we really are, the truth of our lives, the truth of our circumstances. Lord Jesus, I am powerless. I finally realise that, to do anything to change my situation. but I know you can. When we do this, friends, we will see the power of God at work in our lives. And through us, we will see the power of God at work in the lives of those around us. So I urge you this morning, friends, follow the example of those others. Come to Jesus. Fall at his feet. Tell him the whole truth. Of what's going on in your life. And become part of his story. Allow him to cultivate your seedling faith. Hear his words to you this morning. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Will you do that? Let me pray. Loving Lord and Heavenly Father, truth be told, this has just been a good story in the past. Something that takes a few minutes to read through. I go, yeah, yeah, Jesus is good. Father, I prayed earlier that your spirit might be at work in us. Lord, make that so. Agitate our hearts, I pray. Move, Holy Spirit, I ask in us. Bring us to your feet. Bring us to a place of repentance where we we just tell you the whole truth of who we are and what we're going through. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you would do for us what you have done for this man and this woman. Cultivate our seedling faith, I pray. Grow us. Show us your power, I ask, Lord Jesus.